Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Listeners, you know that I've talked about how books scream at me off the shelf sometimes. It's only actually happened once or twice before the book that I'm going to talk a little bit about today, Quantum Success by Christy Whitman. But for the last couple of weeks, this book, Quantum Success, was screaming at me. And in full disclosure, I couldn't even see it on my shelf. It was tucked away, and I feel bad even admitting it. I know I've had it on the shelf for four years. Yeah, three to four years. And it was in between a couple other books, so I couldn't even see it. But in my head, I kept on hearing and I kept on seeing the book cover. I kept on hearing, though, read this book, read this book, read this book. So a week ago, I pulled it off the shelf. And as usually happens when books scream at me, I knew instantly why. The book was blowing me away immediately. I am thrilled today to have Christy Whitman, author of Quantum Success, here with us. Christy, welcome. I'm thrilled to have you here. Oh, Kim, I'm so happy you asked. I love that story. <laughs> do you hear that very often? I do, because every book that I write, it's not like I go and write the book. It's all downloaded through me. It's all channeled. Mm-hmm. And so the information is not just information. There's a lot of energy that's infused into the book. So it's amazing that people will say they literally walked by a bookshelf in you know, like a bookstore and all of a sudden felt this almost like this energetic arm pull them back and put them right in front of the book. And it was like, I could not not buy it. Do you want to hear something really crazy? I mean, freaking awesome, crazy. I was telling Richard Ote, do you know Richie Ote? No. Okay. He's a good friend of mine. I think you might've been on one of his podcasts. I was telling him, I just started reading this book. This was on Friday and he's my best business friend. We talk about five or six every day or five or six times a day. And he says, are you kidding me? I just started reading that book this morning. (laughs) I was like, no, you didn't. He's like, I have it right here. You want me to take a picture? <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, that is, of all things, of all books, it was just so amazing. And we've never done that before. That's awesome. Yeah, it's true. Of all the books in the world. And I'm already reading six. And I have <laughs> about a hundred other books that I could be reading. But this one was just screaming out to me. Christy, you're a New York Times bestselling author and master coach. Would you mind sharing a little bit of your journey, though, as to how you got here with listeners who may not know you? Absolutely. So I've been, I like to say, consciously on my spiritual path for 25 years now. I got there because I had graduated college. I moved to Chicago from Arizona with my best friend. And I was kind of checking the boxes of everything that I was supposed to do in order to have a happy life. You know, got a degree, I got a nice high paying job, I had money in the bank, I was living with my best friend in one of the greatest cities. I mean, my job was literally, I was a wine representative. So I would go from bars and restaurants and hotels meeting the food and beverage managers to the owners of the restaurants, getting, you know, eating on the company's dime or trying to meet these managers. So I was eating and drinking my way through Chicago. I mean, just having a blast in a really great city. And 
when it was in me in my quiet moments where I wasn't accomplishing something or doing a deal or any of those kind of things, I actually felt depressed. I felt really unfulfilled. And many times I would find myself saying, is this it? Is this all there is? Like, am I supposed to just accomplish stuff and collect money? And, you know, is this what it's all about? And I really started looking for a way back to a deeper connection to myself. And I even went back to, I remember Chicago has beautiful churches. And I remember thinking, well, maybe I'll go my initial, you know, raising when I was raised as a kid was Catholic. And so I thought, maybe I'll go to this Catholic church. And I was sitting there in the, you know, in the, the service and I was feeling even more depressed because I'm like, if I can't find it here, where am I going to find it? And all the things that just led up to this moment were so perfect because what happened was around that time, I was also dating a guy that lived in California, Northern California, and he was with the same company as me. We'd met at a company meeting. And so he's like, why don't you just get a lateral move and move here? Because we were doing this long distance thing. So I did. And in a matter of a month of moving, taking a lateral move with my company, moving to Northern California, I found out he was cheating on me and he wasn't the guy I thought he was. Yeah. But he was the last, I was, I'm proud of this. He was the last bad guy I ever dated because I I always attracted the bad guys that were either very addicted to drugs or alcohol or would cheat or just, you know, they weren't good for me. But I wasn't good for me. I didn't have enough self-love. And the thing that shifted when I moved to Northern California is I needed to get my hair cut. And so the one person that he introduced me to before we broke up, she happened to be a hairdresser. So I went in and saw Janine and she was just so different than anybody I had ever met. And, you know, she's coloring my hair, cutting my hair. So I have a lot of time with her and I just keep observing her and going, she's so different. What is it about her? And so I finally, being as blunt as I am, I said to her, I go, okay, what do you do? And she just started laughing. She goes, I meditate. Now, Kim, this is 25 years ago. So I had Mm -hmm. no frame of reference for meditation. There wasn't like calm, you know, (laughs) commercials on TV and apps and all this kind of stuff. We barely had the internet going in at that time. And so when she said meditate, I'm thinking of like some kind of guru and like a white robe with a long beard sitting on top of a mountain in a yogi style oming, because that's what I had as a frame of reference for those type of people that did meditation. It wasn't a hairdresser that lived in San Ramon, California. And so that just completely shifted my paradigm. And she goes, well, I'll introduce you to my teacher. She's like a psychic medium and she also teaches meditation. So I thought, perfect. So I'm like dialing her phone number as I'm leaving the salon. And within a week, I found myself- I'm surprised you weren't doing it with the foil in your hair. (laughs) I would have been seriously like trying not to get the dye on my phone. Like, I need to meet with you now. (laughs) Meet me up, Scotty. (laughs) (laughs) No, back then the phones were like really big. They're not like the phones we have. Suitcase phones. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, It would have been a little cumbersome to do that. But anyway, yeah. So I found myself in at Melanie's house and within a week with less than a week and I walk in and she's got clinky, clinky, you know, new age music going on and lots of candles and statues of angels and, you know, incense burning. And I'm, again, this is not my scene. And so I'm like, what in the heck am I doing here? And so we sit down, of course, on a cushion on the floor, not on a chair. And first thing she said to me, she looked me dead in the eyes and she said, you create your own reality. 
and just something, it was like mm-hmm. something cracked open in me. And I was like, yes. And for the first time I felt that awakening and I just leaned in and I was like, oh my gosh. And I had to just kind of catch my breath with that. Now, again, people hear this all the time and don't get it at that deep level because there's internet and there's the secret and, you know, lots of different people that are doing podcasts. And, you know, there's a lot that people can hear now. It's almost like everything is energy. We hear that a lot, but it's like, it almost goes on deaf ears and people don't understand the meaning and, and understand how to apply that. That really is the key. So I'm sitting there completely just got cracked open. And then my mind kicked in and I went, well, how, how do I create my own reality? And she said, well, you start with your thoughts. Your thoughts are either attracting things to you or repelling things from you based on the way you think. And I went, the way I'm think, I mean, I knew I could change my mind. Like, I don't want to go here. I want to go there. I don't want to wear this. I want to wear that. But to change my thoughts, like that was the first time. I mean, I think anybody in personal development, that moment of awareness of, wait a minute, I don't have to just let these negative thoughts continue to go round and round. I can actually choose a different thought. Whoa. I mean, that moment was like everything. And so she gave me an assignment. She goes, I want you to go home for the rest of the week. And I want you to just pay attention to your thoughts. And Kim, I could not believe how negative I was. Mm -hmm. What came out of my mouth, because I even called my girlfriend who I've known since seventh grade. I'm like, Dawn, I am so negative. And she's like, you are one of the most positive people I know. I'm like, well, there's something that happens from my head to my mouth clearly because inside of my head, I am criticizing myself constantly, criticizing others, condemning God. You know, it's like criticism and judgment. And I mean, I'm just mean inside of myself to myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, no wonder I don't feel good. So I- I started changing that. And then I became such a student. It was like, I wanted to consume everything I could about energy and mindset and thoughts and universal laws and, you know, all this stuff. So long story short, I was about five years in, had completely changed and like completely up level by life by learning about the seven essential laws and applying them. And I remember just one night I was meditating because I had developed that as part of my daily practice. I was meditating and all of a sudden I saw a cover of a book and it's like perfect pictures by Christy Whitman. And I thought, well, that's an interesting visualization. I went to bed one Oh five in the morning. I was woken up with this voice that was like talking in my ear and I couldn't stop it. And when I stopped to pay attention to what the thoughts were saying, what that voice was telling me, it was like giving me the first sentence and the first paragraph and the first chapter of a book. I didn't realize at that time, but it was like, it was talking and telling me things. So I got up, I took pen to paper and I just, my hand started freely writing and I didn't even know, I couldn't even keep up with reading as fast as I was writing. So I just let my hand go and I stopped it. You know, when, once it stopped, I should say, I went back to sleep. I didn't even read what I wrote, went back to sleep. Next morning I woke up, I read what I wrote and I was amazed because it was exactly what I needed to be hearing at the time. Wow. And so this happened seven nights in a row. And so I just seen a new thought uh, teacher author named Terry Cole Whitaker. She was one of the founders of new age, you know, thought she kind of came up with Louise Hay around that time when they learned their ministry training and things. And so I had reached out to Terry Cole Whitaker and I said, how do you get a book published? Cause I think I'm writing a book. 
So she said, go online and find a literary agent. So I literally did that. I mean, it was like the beginning of the web and <laughs> researching that. And, you know, so I put in literary agent and this guy's face popped up. He happened to be a publisher and a literary agent. I didn't know what I was doing. He accepted my manuscript. I got a book, you know, in my hand, my mom and my dad and family and friends who were not, let's just say this, were not the right audience for this book. <laughs> about energy and <laughs> universal laws and they all thought I'd lost my mind. So after they bought it and Oprah wasn't calling, so I started going speaking in spiritual bookstores and churches and people started asking me to coach them. And again, 20 years ago, no frame of reference for what a coach was other than a football coach or cheerleading coach. So people started asking me to walk them through the processes that, you know, I knew to shift energy, shift thoughts. And so I did. And then they would come back to me going, oh, my God, I met him or, oh, my God, I got the job and, you know, having all these incredible experiences. So long, long story short, I just continued to follow that path until I went full time into my coaching business about 15 years ago and haven't looked back. Wow. <laughs> OK, well, I went to school in Chicago. I'm in Ohio now, but I was born and raised in Western New York not New York, New York, Buffalo, Rochester area. Got it. I was also raised Catholic. But going back to Chicago, I went to college there. And the second you said Chicago, I got hungry. And then you started talking about how you eat and drink <laughs> your way through the city. And all I could see was Greek town, my favorite <laughs> Thai <that>. restaurant. <laughs> but it's so fascinating to me. So I was raised Catholic. I went to Chicago. I didn't spend nearly enough time on Belmont. I lived in Lakeview for a little bit, loved it. Then I moved to New York City to work there and then out to Ohio after my ex-husband and I had our first child. And it's amazing to me that I didn't know about the law of attraction until I got to Ohio being in the middle of the, or right at the top of the Bible Belt. Of all places to learn about the law of attraction and learn how to start shifting my thoughts mm. and realize that thoughts create things to have it happen here was most amazing. And it, it was from my chiropractor of all people. Mm -hmm. And my family to this day doesn't really understand. Yeah. Why are you so positive? Why do you look for the good in everything? Mm -hmm. And I've actually had criticism. I won't oh, name yes. who's done it, but because I, I left the church when I left home, but I refound God as an adult. And so way, I, right? I'm Christian. What was that? In a very different way. In a very different yeah. way. So I say that I'm Christian with woo. And mm. both, you know, I've gotten opposition from both sides. But from family, they think that I've gotten comments about how I, as a Christian person, it's not right how I think. Mm -hmm. How can you think that? How can you be so negative and not look for the positive in any situation? Thoughts create things. God creates things. Think positively. Don't look for the worst or else you're going to get more bad. And it's been really hard. And I've, I've learned that sometimes I have to disconnect. And I hate using that word because it's used in some religions, quote, religions that I don't particularly care for the structure of. But... I've had to disconnect just to stay in alignment with myself. But I want to share with you that when I was introduced to the law of attraction by the chiropractor, I came home and it was before, it was before Facebook. Okay. 
it was 2000. Well, I guess not before Facebook. It was 2009. I wasn't part of the party yet. So I looked on all these Yahoo boards and all these people were saying, I want to win the lottery. I want to win the lottery. (laughs) And my first thought was, I don't care about winning the lottery. I just want to work for someone who did. Mm -hmm. I was an interior designer. No Joe Christie within a month. The chiropractor called me. He had had lunch with his financial planner. And within those two months prior to that lunch, in a town north of me, very small town, a group of city workers had won the mega millions. Oh, my gosh. And one of them was looking for an interior designer. I love it. But I, until this year, I had heard of the other six laws, or I had heard of the seven laws, but I had never really started investigating. And coincidentally, yours and another book both popped off the shelf. So I'm reading them simultaneously. As I said, I read multiple books at a time, but it's so interesting to walk through. Would you mind sharing for people who don't know what the seven laws are? I mean, and I don't mean go into a lot of detail, but yeah, maybe so, as many as you think would be helpful. Yeah, I'll give like a general just to kind Perfect. of start the topic of that and then, you know, kind of mention what they are. And then the one that I think is the key, because most people, if they do hear about the universal laws, they talk about law of attraction. And it's really not law of attraction that is the most important in the sense that, you know, we are the ones that have to, well, when I start the general conversation, I'll get into it a little bit more. So we have to understand that everything, we live in a vibrational universe and everything is energy. We know this from modern science. We know this from quantum physics that, I mean, you crack open an atom and there's energy in there, whether something's a book or a table or a human being, or just the air between your nose and the computer, everything is energy. Some energy has manifested into a physical form. Other energy has non-manifest, it's non-manifested. It's still in its rare, you know, raw form of just energy. It could be from your head to the top of your ceiling. That's unmanifested energy. So when we understand that, yes, we are physical human beings, but we are also energy, we need to bring in energy into our physical body. Energy is life. What is life? It's our divine. It's breathing us. When you think about it, we don't have to beat our own heart. It's beating for us. Energy, life is doing that. We are not thinking about breathing. You know, we've been breathing the whole time. You and I have not been said one thing about breathing. And you and I both have been breathing the entire time. We didn't have to do it. We didn't have to think about it. Our divine life partner, our energy, our life has been breathing us and digesting our food and growing our nails and our hair, you know, all of that stuff. So, When we understand that we are both and, we are physical and we are energy, and that we have 10 trillion, we can't even wrap our minds around how much that is, but 10 trillions of cells that all have receptor sites on them that need to be filled on a consistent basis with energy. When we are the ones deliberately choosing the energy, say such as joy, like today I'm choosing the energy of joy and you let yourself be filled up with this energy of joy as like a receiving station for this energy to come into your body, then we are literally tapped up in our cells resonating with the joy instead of being depleted and our cells wanting to find energy. That's why a lot of times people are so depleted. And I I don't care for this term, but I'm going to use it because it seems to be widely acceptable. But you know, when you go around someone and they're just so depleted, it's like people have have termed it being an energy vampire. 
Mm-hmm. So like you're with someone and they're just like sucking the life out of you, right? Yep. Well, these are people that do not have themselves filled up with their own energy. They're looking for another source besides themselves to bring in energy. So you're around them and like you could feel the life force being sucked out of you. And that's, they're trying to, you know, get energy. Their body is depleted with energy. So they're trying to get it from you. I see Harry Potter right there. (laughs) If all of us could literally understand that we are energy receivers, we have to. Mm-hmm. have to be we are if we choose deliberately the energy that we want to bring in we are energy receivers we are energy containers we must contain the energy instead of just bringing it in and giving it away right so energy receivers energy containers and then we are also energy transmitters we transmit energy out by what we say what we think what we believe expect perceive that's another big one what we feel or don't many times and the actions that we take. So those are the the ways that we transmit energy out. When we do, law of attraction then brings us vibrationally matching all the people, situations, circumstances, events, anything that's on that vibrational scale. So if someone is bringing in a high vibration, they're holding and containing a high vibration, they're saying saying words, thinking thoughts, perceiving things in a positive way, feeling good about life, taking action from that place, law of attraction is going to mirror back that state of being and bring them more things that please them. This is best as I could say that. If someone is, say that energy person, energy sucker, they're not being filled up from their own source. They're trying to look for other people. It could be their kids. It could be their husband or wife, their coworkers. They're trying to bring in energy from another source. That energy isn't necessarily high or positive. It could just be energy. It could be worry energy, picking up energy from other people. They're containing this worry energy. They get along the same vibrational lines, continuing to say things that are worry thoughts or worry words, you know, worried thoughts, perceiving in a place of I don't have enough and lack. They don't feel good. Now they're going to continue to create more of the same. So oh gonna- my gosh, I am so sorry to interrupt, but I'm not sorry at the same time. So <laughs> sorry, me. sorry, not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> my childhood nickname was Worrywart. Hmm. That's just what my parents gave me. And at the end of 2019, I ditched it. Nice. Consciously, I ditched it. But up until that point, and I started my business in 2012, up until that point, I would say that 75 to 95% of my clients were scarcity minded people. And also in the communities that I was associating with, and I would love to get your opinion on this. There was a lot of talk about being empathetic. Is that an excuse? Like if somebody says that they're an empath, is that an excuse or is that a real thing? It's both actually. Okay. So so being an empath is actually a really beautiful thing. I'm an empath. Being an empath means you're sensitive to energy. When you're sensitive to energy, you can be really creative in your life because you understand what energy you're bringing out, what energy you're around. You know, you can really learn how to play with energy and direct it towards what you're wanting to create. It's a really beautiful. It's like a lot of like channelers and healers are empaths because they have that sensitivity to the other realms. And so it's a beautiful thing. So yes, it is a thing. But when someone say like a healer or a channeler or someone that's, you know, very sensitive, they don't know how to properly work with that skill or with that gift. 
then they'll use it as an excuse. Well, I just can't. So they'll isolate themselves. I can't be around other people. I'm too sensitive. And so then it becomes a way for them to not have to go to functions and not have to engage in life. And so I could see it with a lot of people that say, I'm an empath. I just pick up on everybody else's feelings. But the council who I channel said that the, the biggest fix for empaths is to understand what exactly what we're talking about. When you are filled up, like if you have, imagine you've got all these cups, right? These like plastic cups. If those plastic cups are filled to the absolute rim and you try to put more content in those cups, it's going to spill over, right? They're full, mm-hmm. right? So when you are coming from a place, when you wake up in the morning, you let yourself be filled with the light of your choosing. It could be today, I want to feel freedom. And you're just letting every part of your body, you know, every organ, every muscle, every tissue, every single cell in your body is filled up with that energy of freedom. And then you're going about your day and you're continually filling yourself up with that feeling of freedom. When you're getting around other people that feel like they're in lack or they're worried, you're filled up. Your cups are filled up, right? So you can't put anything else in those cups, you're filled up. You're coming from a place of being the influencer of higher energy because you're exuding this energy of joy or freedom or abundance, whatever it is you chose for the day, instead of being depleted yourself and then coming around other people that are in worry mode or fear mode. Because if you're an empath, if you're sensitive to energy, this has been the biggest change in my life. If you're sensitive to energy and you get around people that are not so conscious or understanding or loving or patient or kind or any of those things, and you're feeling their negativity, oh yeah, it's going to affect you. Mm, That explains so much. During those years, 2012 to 2019, I would go to sleep stressed. I would wake up stressed. I wouldn't take any time on me in the morning. I would jump right to text messages, emails, dealing with other people's stresses and emergencies. So therefore, I would live my whole day stressed. And it stressed me physically, mentally, emotionally, in my marriage with my husband, and financially. Yeah. To the point that by the end of 2019, we were in a state of foreclosure and we were talking about divorce. But at the end of 2019, when I ditched the worrywart nickname, and decided I wasn't going to worry anymore, everything started shifting. I can't even say it started shifting. It did shift. And it was, it's been amazing. Our marriage has never been better. We were out of foreclosure within what felt like a snap. Mm -hmm. And despite 2020 being a tumultuous year, I didn't feel for some, I want to say that for some, a tumultuous year for some, I didn't feel like it, it was a negative year at all. I felt like some things were inconvenient. Like finding a mask in the laundry pile again. <laughs> but that's about as, and having my kids at home when I had things that I want to do with a camera. Right. But I also found ways to incorporate them in. So I was able to shift it sometimes. And at the same time, I also found ways to shift my own life and stop being, it gave me an even bigger dose of don't be stressed. This is working out how it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. I want to back up just for one more moment, just to share a little bit more with you and also for any listeners who haven't heard it. The day my chiropractor introduced me to the law of attraction, I was still married to my ex who was emotionally controlling. 
and mentally abusive. And he came home, as I've shared with you in the pre-show and also have shared with listeners in the past, I don't cook, I burn. Okay. (laughs) So on this particular day, he came home from work and started criticizing my cooking right away. But because I had just spent maybe four hours in all these different forums and getting enlightened, and I really feel that that's the best word I can use. I turned around and looked at him and I said, you no longer have the power to make me feel unhappy. And I just remember his eyes getting really wide. Like, oh. Uh oh. <laughs> right, <Ruh-roh>. bro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it took about another year and a half for me to get my own stuff together. I had lost my job as an interior architect when the recession hit, I was designing schools around Ohio. But there came a point when I was watching the bucket list and I decided, and I already knew I had all the balls rolling to leave. And I decided if I'm ever going to be with another person again, I got to make a list. And it was inspired by the bucket list. So I made a soulmate spec sheet and it was 57 Mm -hmm. items long. Three weeks later, I was on Craigslist looking for furniture from my apartment that I was planning on moving into. And listener, if you're new to this show, I'm very transparent. Please don't judge and Christy, the same for you. I hadn't left my ex yet, but I was on Craigslist looking for furniture, got frustrated and saw this little link that said men looking for women. And I went in there to laugh at men and their cheesy bios. The second posting I saw, I am now married to that man. (laughs) It was right there in his bio. He went through many of the 57 items on my list. That's awesome. But I told him at that point, I said, if you're still single and in six months or a year, please repost again. That's not quite how it worked out. We met two days later. The rest is history. But I feel and I know that I attracted him to me by putting the energy out there. Of, this is what I want. I'm not going to expect less. And Beautiful. therefore, I got it. That's how it works. When we become the conscious creator, when we are the person that decides, you know, we're working with what the divine in us wants. I mean, it's a very powerful way of being. When you understand that you do create your own reality and that you literally are the one responsible for what you create based on what you put out, I mean, it's a game changer. Instead of being a victim to circumstances and the victim to relationships and the victim to the way things, you know, are and all that stuff, you know, that's out of our control or that you don't have the power to fix it or change it It becomes a very different way of life. That's what happened to me. I wanted to take a quick break from today's episode and ask you if you need to take a break from your business. Maybe you're working too many hours. Maybe you're trying to work on too many things. Maybe you have too many clients who just really aren't aligned with your greater purpose. If this sounds like you, I want to offer you an opportunity to join the Positive Productivity Pod, my monthly mentorship and coaching community. For only a dollar, you can jump in, get started, and enjoy 10 days in the community where you will meet so many awesome entrepreneurs. And then twice a month, you'll be able to hop on a live call with all of us and get the feedback that you need in that very moment for your business. If you're interested in starting today for only a dollar, Head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash pod to get started.
For entrepreneurs, let's just say entrepreneurs who are trying to cross the six-figure mark, what are the some of the biggest energy blunders, for lack of a better way of saying it, that you see them making? Well, I'll say for anybody that's not getting what they want in their life, how's that? Anybody that's not experiencing ultimate Here's the thing is, you know, this is one of the teachings that I bring through with the council is that we are divinely designed for health and well-being. Our bodies are designed that way. We're divinely designed for abundance, for success and loving and supportive relationships. So if any of your part of your life is not in alignment with your original blueprint, your original divine design, then we have the power to change it. And the thing to understand is that there's a universal law that's the one that I really want to talk about today is the law of sufficiency and abundance because any part of us that feels separated, drama, chaos, struggle, lack, scarcity, any of that, that's not of our original nature. It's not of our divine design. And if you look at it as like a spectrum, say on one side of the spectrum is lack and the other side of the spectrum is abundance. The side of the spectrum that has lack on it, that's where all the negative feelings come up. Fear, doubt, worry, disbelief, frustration, you know, sadness, all of those, right? Because all of that is an indication that you're not in alignment with your divine design of abundance. And it just feels bad to a human being that has the divine breathing us when we are in our perspective, we're speaking words, we're thinking thoughts we're you know, believing, we're feeling any of those emotions, we're in lack, so we are separated from our divine. And even though I'm talking about divine and you're talking about business, it's very much go hand in hand because you can't compartmentalize mm-hmm. the divine. And it's funny, you, you, I, mean, I wanted to say something before because you were talking about how there are some Christians that kind of judge you for being woo-woo. And it's like, I don't know of a better master on the planet than Jesus Christ that talked about law of attraction. You know, it's I just like, got goosebumps when you said that because I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he literally was speaking. He didn't say this is the law of attraction, but he said that it's this, you know, the size of a mustard seed, you know, that your faith of a mustard seed that moves mountains. I mean, he's the one that said You know, it's like, do unto others as you would have done unto you. I mean, he's the one that was like teaching all of this. He was teaching that what you give out comes back. I mean, he turned water into wine. He was the one that healed, you know, the lepers. I mean, he did this because he did not see in lack. He did not believe in lack. He only believed in the divine design of each and every one of us, not just him. He was trying to teach. He didn't want everybody to worship him. He wanted to teach that, hey, you could do what I do too. We all have this ability. We're all a child of God, right? So all of it, none of it's compartmentalized. And so when you're thinking about being an entrepreneur or creating a better relationship or making more money or getting better health in your body, if your perspective, if words that you're saying, if thoughts that you're thinking, if the perspective that you're holding, if the emotions that you're feeling, the actions that you're taking are based in lack, there is no universal truth other than the fact that you will continue to get evidence of lack that will continue to make you feel bad and have a bad perspective. But on the other hand, abundance always feels good. Yeah, I can hear your audience now going, but it's true. I don't have any money and I'm worried. What am I supposed to do? 
you know, how can I be Pollyanna? How can I think in abundance when I'm in lack? Well, it's the old thinking of lack that got you there. Right. It's, it's your old programming. It's your old thinking. It's your old imprints that got you there. So if you want to change the trajectory of your life and you want to have a different life experience and five minutes from now, five days from now, five years from now or beyond, you cannot continue to say the things, think the things and, and focus on the things that you're focused on. You need to get back in alignment. Lack always feels bad. Abundance always feels good. And there's a tipping point in the middle, which is satisfaction. So to answer that question of, well, what am I supposed to do? Find what you can be satisfied with right now. Because satisfaction, it's a law of sufficiency and abundance. Find the sufficiency of this moment. Find out what you do have. Let your focus be on all the blessings. You were mentioning about COVID, right? And lockdown and all that stuff. Kim, for me, 2020 was a great year because Mm -hmm. I chose to not let it not be. I chose to focus on all the positive aspects like you were doing as well. And, you know, yes, my heart goes out to a lot of people that lost their lives. My heart goes out to a lot of people that had financial, you know, problems and all the people that are out there. But this is a great awakening. This is a time. There's a lot of people that lost their relationships. There's a lot of people that felt lonely. But as the council told me in the very beginning of 2020, this year is an amplifier. It's a year, literally 2020, to see through the lens of open eyes, clear eyes, and to look at what's not working. And most, some people are going to stay stuck in their old way of thinking, but a lot of people are going to be waking up because it's pain, it's suffering that does wake people up. It's discomfort, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And so when they have enough of it, they go, all right, what's an alternative? I can't do this anymore. I can't think in this same way. That's what happened to me 25 years ago. Yep. That's what happened to you when your mm-hmm. chiropractor said that to you. Yep. And again, at the end of 2019, I mean, what I've totally begun to understand how my journey shapes me and everything happens for a reason, even the bad stuff, because there's a greater purpose to come out of it. And Yes, I might be attracting it to me with negative thoughts at the time, but I'm taking a positive spin on them after the fact. At the end of 2019, I let a client I had been working with for three years go. And with that client went all of my income. And I've already shared earlier in this episode that I let the worry go too. Mm -hmm. The clients that I got in 2020 paid three to four times as much as any one project with that former client would have paid. Yeah. And I was attracting the right kind of clients. I want to just refer to one thing for any Christians who are listening and just like, oh, you know, I don't, I want you to think about Matthew 25, parable of the talents. And I only know that I'm not a Bible thumper. It's just, I happened to refer to it two days ago. The gentleman or the farmer or the servant who was given one bag or one talent buried it in the ground because he was afraid of losing it. And often when we're in a place of scarcity or lack, we go hide in bed, you know, because we're just scared and afraid and depressed and anxious and we feel like we can't face it. But when you take it out and share it with the world, you're attracting that positive energy. And then that one talent can turn into five. But the people who had three or five talents, they went out and they they invested and they did bigger, better things and they got more back. So it's right there in the Bible. I'm done preaching. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's funny when people do either one of two things when they're in lack. They either just go run and hide. It's that fight or flight kind of thing that we do as human beings. So if someone feels threatened, if they feel that there's competition, if they feel like they're not good enough, they want to go and do more. They do more action and they're creating more overwhelm. And they, you know, they do, 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 trying to compensate, trying to work harder, right? And it's a very old paradigm of what we used to see our grandparents and parents do that if you wanted something, you have to go out and work even harder than you're doing. But there's only so much time and energy in the day. And that only gets you so far. And what I was speaking about in the book, Quantum Success that you were referring to, Kim, is that it's not just hard work. And a lot of times it's not even the conversation of hard work. It's the conversation of putting the best of yourself into everything that you're doing, the fullness of yourself while you're in alignment, because alignment and momentum is really the key to creating whatever it is that you want. And so you might have people that feel, oh, what's the point? Let me go get back in bed and put the covers over my head and they don't want to try. My sister was like that. And yet I was the exact opposite of my sister. I was like, no, go fight, go do more, go, 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 you know, and either one of those does not have an empowering place because I'm now, I was back in the day using action to push my way through the lack, which again, you can't push your way through the lack. You'll just continue to create more of the lack, whatever action you're taking. So the best cause is to understand if you are energy and you are where is your energy aligned or misaligned? Is it in the words that you're saying? Are you saying words? I created a program called Watch Your Words. You could actually go there if you want, mm. watchyourwords.com. Do you tell and people a, to stop shitting on themselves? Yes, that's one of them. <laughs> that's one of them. So yeah, I used to get people all the time asking me, how do we start with this esoteric, you know, kind of universal law stuff? And I said, you got to watch your words. I mean, that, words, here we go back to the Bible. It says in the Bible, in the beginning, there was the word, right? It's like everything starts with a word. A series of thoughts is words, you know, and thoughts thought over and over again become beliefs. So everything starts with the word. If you shift your words to be more on the abundant side of the spectrum and less on the lack side of the spectrum, then you're going to feel better. You're going to think better. You're going to perceive differently. You're going to take different action. But most people don't realize the power that that has. So I created watchyourwords.com. You can go there. It's a free 30-day video program. The videos are like two to four minutes in length, but it tells you what not to say, why, and then what to say it instead. So for example, what you just brought up should. I used to, and I still do. My mom is almost 85 years old. She will use should five times in a sentence. I mean, she was a, the biggest shoulder ever, is the biggest shoulder ever. And so, of course, I started doing that to myself too. Well, when we should on ourselves, and what we mean by that, it was, well, you really should have done that. You should have done that. You're beating yourself up for something that you cannot go back and change. So you're holding yourself in a place of not feeling good, beating yourself up, Instead of saying, you know, next time I'm going to do this, this, and this, you know, what's a good option for next time? I'm going to do this, that, and that. Now you're not shaming yourself for something that you already did that you can't go back and redo. And same is true for should, right? 
Yeah. Well, you should do this. Well, now should is very much language that comes from lack. It comes from the drama triangle. It comes from roles and rules that there's no way for Kim or Christy to show up as they are to come up with different options, different choices, you know, with creative ideas. It's like you should. This is what you should do in order to take care of your mom. That's what you should do in order to you should call your mom every day. Right. Nobody feels good when they're being shitted on. No including ourselves. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. conversation like, Oh, I should call my mom. You know, well, do I feel like calling my mom right now? <laughs> Sometimes that takes a lot of energy, <laughs> right? It's like, sorry, mom. I love you. <laughs> yeah. I, I do too, mom, even though my mom will never listen to this because she doesn't go ever go on the internet. But you know, so it's like, I could say to myself, well, you should call your mom. Right. And it's like, okay. And then now my energy is already dipped because it's like, it's something I should do. It's not a choice. It's not a a decision from a place of empowerment or freedom. Right. Hi mom. And now she's in a, like, she's got a wobble or she's got a, you know, some, a boo-boo or something that she's, or she's got a, well today, you know, she's got to tell me about the latest drama in the day. It's never like, Oh, we had such a good morning. You know, it's never like that. It's always very negative. Somebody went through the express checkout lane with 56 items. (laughs) I don't know about that, but my mom and dad are just not the most uplifting people, but, and I love them dearly, you know, Uh but just, they just, yeah. So that's why I get to look at my parents and go, wow, that was my early training. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if any of that's lighting me up, I guess there's still stuff in me that I need to let go of, but you know, so it becomes like now I feel drained. And then now I'm upset with myself because I called her and I didn't feel like it. I wasn't up to it. Now the conversation within myself is, oh, you should call your mom. And I'm like, no, I don't have to should it. I'm not shitting on myself. Do I want to call my mom? Not really. You know what I'll do instead? I'm just going to text my dad and say, hey, dad, just checking in. Oh, that feels so much better. And then he'll say, hey, we're good over here. Great. You know, and then maybe I'll call her tomorrow or maybe my husband will call them. You know, so it's like, there's lots of options. If I'm not in the place of feeling like I want to call my mom because it's not a should. It's not that I'm never going to call her again. Right. I love that you brought this up because we've started sending videos and it goes along with the should. Yeah. It's being in communication, letting them know that they're loved in a way that feels good to us. And oh my gosh my mom will come back months after I sent a video of the kids doing something. I just rewatched that video and it warms my heart to know that it warmed her heart. And at the same time, it didn't deplete my energy. Right. A conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of choices, lots of options. But when we're in lack, we can't find choices and options. We just Mm -hmm. have shoulds and ought tos, have tos tries, miss, you know, all these words and phrases that pull our energy down, can't, you know, and it's important to understand that that is, if everything is vibration, everything is energy, and it is, and we are energy receivers, and we're energy containers, and we're energy transmitters, if we're transmitting the first signal out to the universe, and it's in lack, then everything else is going to follow that momentum, because that's momentum just gets created. So why not be in alignment and then create the momentum? For the for years, I drove this big beater, what we call man van, conversion van. This thing was slow to accelerate at stoplights. And I would often get honked at and the middle finger shown. And Lovely. 
around my children, I couldn't do the same back because then they would pick it up. So I started showing the other drivers the I love you sign, sign language sign. Mm -hmm. And the faces of surprise would start to make me laugh. And then I wouldn't be so frustrated by the horns honking and getting the bird flipped at me. So I won't go so far as to say that I would go slow on purpose because I definitely wouldn't. I like to get where I'm going. Okay. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that in conversation, but I found that just by making that simple energy shift, even in the car, just show them the I love you sign instead of flipping them the bird or blasting on my horn. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up because there are things in our lives. I don't care if it's going over to our in-laws house or going to watch a soccer game or a volleyball game of our kids or getting in traffic or going into an office, whatever it is, all of us have some area. I even have mine. I've been doing this work for 25 years. And when I get to that sideline of a soccer game, when my kids are playing, I become a total, I am not a Zen master. I am not, I'm not you a person me that teaches meditation. I am like competitive and ah, yelling and And so that is my opportunity before I sit my chair down, before I put my butt in that chair while I'm doing that, to sit down and to ground myself and to remind myself, this is about them. It's not about me. This is about him to have fun, you know, and I just get to allow myself to feel like, what do I want to take away from this? I want to take fun with my, you know, my friend who's one of the other mothers on the team, you know, giggle with her. I want to, you know, support my son. I want to be positive. I don't want to let those other parents annoy me. You know, it's like, I want to allow myself to be in a space of love and light. And when I do that, it makes a world of a difference from when I don't do that. So like you were saying, when people get in traffic, yes, there are people that don't know how to drive. And there are people that drive way too fast and people that drive way too slow. And there are people that don't do turn signals and, you know, all and people that run red lights and all the things, right? So there is a million things that can knock us off in any given moment from point A to point B while we're driving. But before you even get in your car, before you push the ignition or turn on the key, however you start your car, ask yourself, what do I want? What do I want this segment of my time getting from point A to point B? It could be a five minute drive to the grocery store. It doesn't matter. How do I want to feel? What do I want to appreciate? What do I want to experience? And I will guarantee you that as you are focused on, hey, I love my car. I love the radio in my car. Oh, I love the song, right? Now you're vibing a very different vibe. and. It's amazing how you will have courteous, kind, respectful drivers around you. You will have literally open roads. You get to intend what it is that you want, right? And I can't tell you how many times I've done that and have a really pleasant drive from point A to point B. And that could have been a two-hour drive where it was supposed to be traffic in the middle of rush hour where I would see cars in front of me, cars behind me, but I literally would have the whole road to myself And the drivers that I would come in contact would be courteous and respectful and kind of would do the arm signal, go in, go in, you know, and it amazes me how this happens. Being on the road now is not my place where it used to be. I used to be a road rager when I lived in Chicago, right? Before I learned all this stuff, I honk and Mm -hmm. do the finger and, you know, yell at people and all that stuff. I don't have those driving experiences anymore because I intend for what I want my driving experience to be. And that's what I'm now really taking ownership and responsibility for is as I am a, you know, observer of my son's playing soccer, 
how I want to be on the sidelines, who I want to be, how I want to act, what I want to experience, what I want to take away. And it makes a world of a difference. I think there is a market for meditation for competitive soccer parents. (laughs) I have a kid in U16. And the words that fly out of some parents' mouths, Mm -hmm. holy cow. Yeah. I was telling my girlfriend next to me on Saturday, I'm like, we should do a soccer mom's reality show. (laughs) Uh, Count me in if you ever need the Ohio representation. Oh my goodness. But my son, this is a quick detour, folks. My son went to Tennessee. We're in Ohio. He went to Tennessee for a tournament about a month ago. Yes. In the middle of January. And I guess during one whole game, a mother on the opposite team was heckling him about his hair. What? Well, he's got sort of like the long sweeping bangs and the short sides, but the whole, the whole game, like heckling him about his hair. But afterwards, another mom came up and apologized to him, said, we're not all like that. We're sorry for how she treated you. But okay, one more quick detour along that. Well, two, I find myself right now getting my energy muted when I sit at home for too long. Mm. And I wasn't going to talk about this ever on the podcast. I, I love getting out of the house, just driving around with my thoughts. But when I go outside of the house, sometimes I feel unproductive because I'm not doing business building activities, but I understand we need to give ourselves a break. Well, last week, one of my nieces was telling me about how she and her husband are doing DoorDash. I was like, huh, I can get out of the house, make some people's day better with food. And just do it. And it's not replacing my business income at all. But I find the best ideas just while driving away (laughs) or driving around. So I've been door dashing the last day. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. It's been amazing. I've had amazing conversations with customers who have called to say, hey, DoorDash gave you the wrong navigation. They do it all the time. I had this amazing conversation with this guy last night. He said he had a conversion van parked in his driveway. And I joked, I was like, I do too. He's like, Kim, where do you get it serviced? So we had a five minute conversation while I'm driving to his house with his Chick-fil-A about where he should go to get his car serviced. He had already tipped me. When I get to his house, though, he's like, can you break a 20? I want to give you a bigger tip. Oh, my God. It's the energy that you put out. Right. For sure. But then I'm having more ideas. I'm writing my first book right now. And I have to along. I want to segue this back to your book that's about to come out. But I found that when the energy that I had, because I've been working on this book for seven years, I want to put working in quotes. It was really hard for me because the energy that I was putting out was what do other people want me to say? What is expected of me out of this book? It was never looking within. Mm. How do I feel about this? But the moment that I let it go, what are the expectations of others? What should I be doing? Then it started flowing. So I have Scrivener on my phone now. And I can't say I'm doing it while actively dashing, but if I have an idea while I'm out, I can pop open Scrivener, speak it into my phone. There I go. But I'm giving myself that freedom just to be out of the house a little bit. And the energy feels so much better. Well, good for you for noticing, gosh, when I'm stuck in my house, you know, this is what's happening to me. How do I get out and do stuff and doing something then to change it? Because it would be really easy for you to 
talk yourself out of it, right? Because someone might have an idea and then go, oh, I'm not going to do that. or I can't do that. or And that's really what the desire factor of my new book is all about is that, you know, we get these impulses, we get these ideas in our heads. And a lot of times we talk ourselves out of them. And it could be a desire for a business. It could be a desire to get out of the house and, you know, go see people when, you know, you don't have that ability to do other than do DoorDash. I mean, whatever the desire is, right? It could be desire to find a new partner or get a divorce or whatever it might be. But these desires, when they light us up, when they fulfill us, it's like we have to pay attention to them because they're coming from a very a much deeper place in us. But most people don't give themselves permission to have what they desire. So I just want to acknowledge you for that because that's awesome that you're, you know, noticing what you're feeling you're perceiving is missing or not feeling good. And that's always good information because lack will always be there. That that information of, hey, I don't have this and I would like this instead. Most people then focus on the fact that they don't have it. They complain about it. They worry about it instead of doing something about it. When you have the awareness of what I like to call contrast, something you don't want, don't have, don't know is you know in your awareness now you can say, okay, now what do I need to do to learn about it, to shift this? What information do I need? You know, what steps do I need to take? What's an option? What's a solution here? And that's really how to get out of contrast so that you're not sticking into contrast. Oh, and just being open to the answer of that question provides so many opportunities. Right. And we, and I say we, because my husband and I would have never considered doing DoorDash. Opening up that door of possibilities, he's a disabled veteran with a really bad back injury. So it's hard for him to move around some days. But as the quote man, he felt all these shoulds, right? I right. should be contributing. He's outdoor dashing right now and he he's just lit up. This is his first day doing it, like right now. He was so excited this morning knowing that he's going to work. Mm-hmm. That's so empowering, whatever the work is. Yeah. And he loves being around people. So for him, just being at home was with me all the time. (laughs) It was hard. But could you talk about your new book just a little bit more? And I do have one specific question. Did you wake up for seven nights in a row with the message that you should be writing for this book as well? Or has it done that for any of your other books? No, it works in different ways. My book, The Art of Having It All, which is a phenomenal book, and it's another one of my books that hit the New York Times, that one literally was like, while I was in waking time, I remember my kids were both really tiny, and I would say to them and my husband, I'm like, all of a sudden, I'll just get this flow, this flood, this just flash flood of information. I said, so I'm being instructed to walk around with a journal and a pen. So even when my kids were like three and four, I'm like, if you see mommy pick up her pen and her journal, just give me a minute. I'll be back with you, but don't go mommy, 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 mommy. If I'm not giving Mm. you attention, give me a couple minutes just to write what I need to write down. I'll put it down and I'll be back to you. And they were awesome. So that was like during the day, but most of my books, like the desire factor literally downloaded through me on a cruise ship. I was in the middle of the Mediterranean and it's one of the stories that I use in the book about, you know, we have these desires and these desires are meant from a higher spiritual perspective to expand us, to grow us. They're for a growth, right? They're for a, an opportunity to become more of who we really are. 
But we as the personality get this desire and go, ooh, I like that. And then we flow with it. So there's two benefits to it. The person gets to have or hold or be with, you know, the desire and the divine in us wants the expansion. So both benefit. And so I had just come back from Venice with my family and I had bought this Dolce & Gabbana purse and I was admiring the purse. And then boom, the book came through me because about six years prior to this, six or seven years prior to this, I had gone to Italy with my parents and my husband. He wasn't my husband at the time. He was my boyfriend. But the four of us went on a two-week trip all over Italy, went to Lake Como and Venice and Florence and Positano. And it was amazing. He but when to- we went, sorry, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt Positano. One of my oh, favorite. So beautiful. Mm, so beautiful. I don't even need to say it. One of my favorite books right there. <laughs> yes, that was really it's a gorgeous place. But so we were in Venice and I remember for the first time ever walking into a city like this where they had, I love high fashion. I always have loved fashion. I've always been since I was a kid. I've always loved designer brands and all that kind of stuff. Not to have other people approve of me just because I like the craftsmanship. I love the, you know, the structure the, I don't know. I just loved everything with the style of it, everything. So here we are in Venice And I remember going, oh my God, this is like an incredible, like Shangri-La. I mean, it was like, I felt like the doors open and like the angel music went, oh, you know, it was just like, oh my God, because I'm seeing Dolce & Gabbana, I'm seeing Fendi and Dior and Chanel. Now to some of you, you might be like, oh my God, that's so materialistic or, oh my God, like I have no interest in that. That's not your desire factor, but this is mine. So I'll discuss yours in a second, but this is mine. And so here I am, I just started my business and the the idea to spend any high amount of money on a purse would have been absolutely ridiculous, right? And so I told told my husband, it wasn't my husband at the time, but I told him, I said, I am going to someday come back here and with the success of my business, I'm going to come back to Venice and buy whatever purse I want to buy. And that was my declaration. It was my promise to myself. Well, here I was. Again, maybe seven years later, I have to figure out what the exact time, seven or eight, six, something like that around that time frame. I took my parents and my two kids and my husband on a trip on a cruise, Mediterranean high-level cruise, and we got to go to Venice for a day and a half. And I had it planned. My husband and I were going to take part of the afternoon and he was going to come shop with me and I was going to buy whatever purse I wanted to buy. And I did. I walked in Dolce Gabbana. I bought that beautiful purse, the color that I wanted it. We had a beautiful lunch together. We had just, it was a magnificent day. But that purse, yes, it's, I mean, I think I've used it a couple of times. It's still in my closet. That purse was not about the purse. It was about who I became in the process of acquiring that purse. I had grown a multi-million dollar business. Here I was able to not just go on a trip with my parents, but literally first-class accommodations, a beautiful stay on this stateroom. You know, I was able to gift my parents this beautiful gift on the Mediterranean for all the things that they've done for me in my life. I was able to bring my family together. So that purse literally was a symbol of success. It was a symbol of generosity. It was a symbol of who I had become in the process. And that's what our desire factors are. But most people would go, well, that's, you know, that's kind of materialistic. You know, I know that because I did it too. I'm on the ship and I'm like, well, that's kind of materialistic. 
And then I heard the voice and then there, here comes the writing that it's like everything in the material world is materialistic, but underneath that material, underneath that physical manifestation is energy. So how can anything that's material be considered bad unless the meaning we make it? If we say that something is bad, oh, someone likes to golf. Oh, that's bad. Right? Why? Right. Right? Right. Traveling to Wyoming. Oh, that's not good. Why don't you travel somewhere else? Why? If someone has a desire, that desire came from a higher place. Now, if a desire came because you want to hurt or harm somebody, if you want to make somebody love and accept you because of what you have or what you do or what you accomplish, or you know, you want to prove your worth to somebody, all of that stuff that comes from lack, like we talked about, is not of the divine. But if you just get this idea of an idea that you have that someday I'm going to come back here, I'm going to buy whatever purse I want because I'm going to have that level of success. Well, look at that. Look at the energy that moved through me and look at what I was able to. That trip did not become about the purse. It became about the memories and about the really reflecting on the success that I had created. And with that success that I created, it meant that lives were being changed. People were literally getting transformed. Coaches were getting certified and more people were getting you know, served and transformed and impact was being made. It was all about all of that, not just about the purse. The purse was a representation of it. But we have to give ourselves permission to have what that personality receives as a desire in order to have that bigger expansion. Was there a pun intended there? Personality? (laughs) No, (laughs) that's funny. In 2019, before I made the shift, I had read a book, Spirit Driven Success, Danny Johnson. And right when I was reading it, even though it took me a few more months to implement, she read, the more you make, the more you can serve. And that's what you were just saying. Exactly. But she was coming at it from the viewpoint of a Christian entrepreneur's perspective, because I've been around so many Christian entrepreneurs who felt like they needed to give stuff away while they were building their businesses that they couldn't charge their fair worth, their true value, because it would be unchristian like. And she totally in this book just squashed that and without cussing, which I would have to imagine that she could do as well. Hey, I'm just going to say, I haven't sworn at all in this episode, but I'm a Christian who cusses a lot. Just saying (laughs) in that moment, I was like, Oh, And in that moment, I realized I'm not charging fair rate for the services I'm offering, either for me or for my clients. When I'm undervaluing myself, I'm getting scarcity-minded clients. When I'm undervaluing myself, I have to work more to support my family. Right. And the moment that I got that in my head was when I went to the client that I've been working with for a few years and said, I need to raise my rate. And I heard back, you got to remember where all your work is coming from. Mm -hmm. So I knew. I need to make a change because this is not the energy that I'm putting off anymore. And this isn't the energy that I want to put to bring in anymore. And, you know, it's been small, sometimes painful steps, but I know that I can't wait to see where I go and you're inspiring me. And I don't know what my Golgi and Gabbana bag would be or what it would look like, but I'm just going to take something practical from my own house, like a rice cooker gotten from the big box store for $20 as compared to a rice cooker from Williams-Sonoma that might cost $100, $200. (laughs) There's other, you know, minor improvements that we can make in our house and in our home and our family where, I mean, I've seen it 
with our kids with sneakers. You know, you go to a big box store and you get a pair of cheap sneakers with the thought, well, they're just going to grow out of them in a, in a few months anyway. Yeah, well, a lot of the time they don't even make it through the full two months because you thought cheap or maybe you... I know what I'm trying to say. I don't think it's coming out as eloquently <laughs> as I want to. But had I just thought of the bigger picture, I'm going to invest and it's going to feel good. And yeah, you know what? Those sneakers might last a year, but damn, those are nice looking. You know, they've held up really good. There's so many times we've had to go back to big box stores just to get a new pair of shoes three or four times because they keep on falling apart. And then we finally kick our own bums and realize this is not how to do it. Think bigger. Think bigger. Well, yeah, the divine thing's pretty big. So, you know, yeah. if we want to think small and limited, then, you know, we're going to get small and limited. But if we open up our view, if we mm-hmm. open up our havingness, if we open up our willingness and give ourselves permission to have what we are divinely designed to have and to thrive and to feel good, then the divine in us is going to mirror that as well. Absolutely. So your newest book, The Desire Factor, is coming out soon. Could you share a little bit about that and let listeners know where they can go to get their own copy? Yeah, absolutely. So this is a really special book because this is the book that I have channeled directly with the council and all my other books have been channeled, like I said, but I didn't know who I was channeling. So this is the first one where I'm like, I'm clear who is the voice and what the voice is. And so this is literally a book of how to manifest any desire that you have and in the certain steps that you do it. And so they laid it out like a kind of like a combination lock. You know, if you mix up the numbers, you're not opening up the key or up the lock. And so doing it step by step in the exact same order, and it just takes seconds to do once you get it down then you're off to the races. So it doesn't matter what desire you have, big or small or, you know, material or immaterial, you can apply this information at any point and take it through and you will start seeing yourself manifest the things that you want. Sometimes bigger and better than you ever could have thought about. I have a whole chapter in the conclusion, how it was manifesting one thing and that form didn't come in the exact way I wanted it to, but it opened up the realm for so many other forms. So it's a really important book for our time to understand about energy, to understand about how we are energy masters and really how to break down what it is that we want. And so right now, because we are pre-ordering it, it's going to be ready for release anytime, but because we're pre-ordering it, I have, when you go to the desirefactor.com, you can pre-order it and immediately right away, you get three different processes that will help you start creating your desires right away. One of them is a success meditation. Another one's a hologram meditation. Another one is a peace and harmony meditation. It's like a meditation slash healing slash process. And then when the book comes out officially, you'll be sent the book plus shipping. And then we have a live uh, four-week course starting with myself and the council in May where we go through the different principles that are in the book. So it's like a $900 value for a $15 book. I'm so excited. I signed up for that. Yay! Yeah. You're going to love it. Listeners, just so you get an idea about how my energy has worked in the last couple of days. I mean, I literally, as I already said, I picked up the book quantum success last week, was reading it two days later. I was reading it some more. I went to Christie's site, saw that the desire factor is coming out, pre-ordered it right away. And then I was like, I need to email Christy. <laughs> and that was just four days ago. And I'm not saying 
I have no doubt that your calendar is not usually like that, that you can just hop on a call. But it's like, no. And I, I think I even put in my email, I know that your schedule is probably crazy right now, but I'd love to have you a guest. If you want to be a guest, here's the link. I was like, this is just, well, divine timing. I mean, with everything that's changing in my life and in my business and the fact that the book was calling and oh, thank you for all of- that you do and all that you write. I'm going to be going and ordering your other books today because I can't wait to read those two after I'm done with quantum success. And you've been keeping me company in my car too, just so you know. Aww, it's nice awesome. to just be on the road listening to positive thoughts in the ear and like learning thoughts yeah. and not have the kids screaming too while I'm, <laughs> you know, while I'm trying to read and just be able to go through books while driving. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. Well, you're in the quantum field and when, when you're in, you tap into that quantum field, things in the material world move very fast. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, time and space is really so subjective and especially when you tap into that quantum field, things become exponential instead of like a step-by-step linear approach. It's like you're leapfrogging over what you might as a human being deem as impossibilities because possibilities are there. So impossibilities become total probabilities. They can become in- inevitabilities. Mm-hmm. And that's what's exciting about this work. I want to leave you with one more thing before we hang up, but then I have two questions for you. I had taken my dream house off my computer as as my background because I started thinking small again, but you've just inspired me to put it back up. It's my Mm. dream house. You know what? That's my Dolce & Gabbana bag. Exactly. My dream house where each kid, and I have five kids, each kid has their own bedroom and own bathroom. Do we need that much space? Absolutely not. Not about need. Right. Is it going to be a lot of cleaning? Yes, but we don't need to do it. But that's the space that when I want to have masterminds, clients can come to me. Yeah. Thank you. I'm putting that back on there. Yay. I have two questions for you. One is completely off topic. But if you were to go back to Chicago today, what's the first restaurant that you would want to go to? Oh, Gibson's. Easy. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, Gibson's was one of my favorite favorite restaurants. Either that or Nick's fish fish fish. I can't even say it. Nick's fish market, or you know, if you're just going to go to to pizza, Lou Malnati's, or even Uno's. I loved pizza too. Mm. I just introduced my husband to deep dish pizza last year. He's hooked. <sighs> so good. Yeah. Second question is, well, actually, there's three. Where's the best place for listeners to connect with you and learn more? So, ChristyWhitman.com is my main website and that'll get you to know about all my work, but I would definitely go check out watchyourwords.com. That's the 30 day video series I was talking about. And then you'll get my podcast and different articles that are based on, you know, things that we're working on, like the desire factor, or you can go to the desirefactor.com. Fabulous. Now, if you listener are door dashing or trying not to burn dinner or don't want to fall off the elliptical, you can find all the show notes at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP702. Whatever your podcast player you're listening to right now, that link will also be in the show notes along with Christy's links. So please do not crash your car, burn dinner or fall off the elliptical. That would be no good. And it would be totally something I would do. (laughs) Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can leave with listeners? 
you know, we're all supposed to thrive and to feel good in all aspects of our life. I mean, in our well-being, in our health, in our finances, in our businesses, in our careers, and the projects we're working with, in every single relationship, whether it's our most intimate relationship to our next door neighbor, to our in-laws. And if everything is a direct reflection of what's happening inside of us, and it is as within, so without, then we can, we have the power to literally shift anything within us, giving ourselves permission to do that. And therefore, then everything outside of ourselves change. So we are not powerless or a victim to anything. We are very powerful. And as soon as we start to tap in and understand our own power, who we are, then we will create deliberately, consciously, the life that we want to live. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.